Welcome to Chasing the Light. This is my podcast journal that I created back early summer. And many of you have been following along with the podcast journal throughout my participation in the clinical research trial for Labor's congenital amaurosis, specifically LCA5. But today I'm sharing a bonus entry in honor of Blindness Awareness Month and the Foundation Fighting Blindnesses campaign called Share Your Vision. I participated in this campaign last October where I shared a written story of my vision journey. However, I thought I would use the podcast journal to share a little bit about my vision journey and my vision loss progression with the rare blinding inherited retinal disease, Labor's congenital amaurosis. So if you are new to the podcast journal, my name is Lindsay Rambo. I am 34 years old. I have been living with my rare blinding disease all of my life. As a infant at eight weeks old, I was given the broad diagnosis of disease of the retina. Um, my grandparents had noticed that I was, you know, looking at the light, um, you know, not really looking into faces or anything. And they just had this suspicion that I couldn't see very well. So, you know, they mentioned it to my parents and they made an appointment with the pediatrician. And then we went to the pediatrician and he sent us to, um, Catonsville, Maryland, and I was seen by a pediatric ophthalmologist, and they had given me that um, diagnosis of disease of retina, and I was prescribed glasses by 10 weeks old, and then I underwent many tests within the first year of my life, um, you know, MRIs and CAT scans and and different things at um, John Hopkins University, just to kind of rule out if there were some other underlying issues that was causing my um, vision condition. But, you know, nothing was found. And I kind of just, you know, went through my childhood then, you know, with this rare disease, wearing glasses and, you know, trying to be as normal as possible. So I went through, you know, elementary school and and used very minimal accommodations as I was going through school. Um, some magnification devices, they tried like slant boards and um, different CCTV options for me, but I was very resistant of using accommodations because I just wanted to fit in with the rest of my peers. And if you've followed along with this story, 
um, you know, either earlier than the podcast, you know, just throughout knowing me for a length of time um, or just following the podcast journal, like a lot of this you've already heard before, but I'm hoping some um, new friends are listening today to kind of learn about uh, my vision loss story. So I um, went through my schooling and, um, you know, I, I was in the general education environment. I was, as I said, very resistant to vision services. I did not, you know, learn Braille. I was a print reader. I am still a print reader. However, I do know Braille now, you know, how to read and write it because I eventually became a certified teacher of the blind and visually impaired. Um, so I did eventually learn Braille uh, at a much later age than um, I probably should have learned it with a progressive vision loss. But, you know, back in the late, eight, you know, 1980s, it, there was just very minimum known about my vision condition and, and many um, vision conditions you know, especially the inherited retinal diseases. So, you know, we, we I went on and just kind of wore the glasses for a while, I think up until high school, because they weren't really making a difference for me. And and my vision stayed stable throughout my education, like my K-12 education and everything. Um, I had a lot of friends. I played sports. I I played soccer, basketball. I ran track. I'm still a runner. Um, I'm a long distance marathon runner. Um, but you know, I definitely had my vision loss. You know, kind of lingering over me, and the fact that I had a visual impairment was kind of always on my mind. Is something I always had to consider because. You know, I didn't drive, so I had to rely on other people to transport me other places. I was from a very rural, small town, um, and this was, you know, in the times before Uber and all of those nice um, transportation options that we have now. Um, so, you know, I, I just kind of went through my life you know, one stage at a time and kind of tried to live like everybody else and very much masked my vision condition and hid it from everyone. Um, I did not accept it. I didn't talk about it. it. You know, it was just not something that I embraced at all growing up. Um, and, you know, part of the reason for that was because there was very little known about my condition. One of the things they said was... It wouldn't get worse, but it wouldn't get any better. So, you know, I, I never really had hope in terms of, of my vision impairment. Um, when I was 16 years old, I went to a doctor to have a second opinion and, you know, went through a series of testing. I was a senior in high school. And um, what they concluded at that appointment is that by the time I was in my early 20s, I would be blind. And if I ever had children, they would be blind as well. So being told that at 16 years old, I was obviously very deflated, um, very discouraged. And I did not return to, a, to have a vision assessment done for probably five or six years 
after that because I just was like, why? Why would I go back? Why do I want to keep hearing this negative news? Like every time I went to the doctors to for my eyes, I just I totally just dreaded it because it I just knew that I wasn't ever going to hear anything positive. Like all my life I only heard discouraging things or like there's nothing we can do to help you so there was no hope involved in it I did not talk about it I you know avoided my vision condition I felt so alone especially going through you know my teenage years and everything and seeing all my friends being able to drive and I had started a low vision driving program that was going to be just for daytime driving and um I was, you know, I went through driver's ed and everything, did great with that, did my hours for driver's ed. I obviously did not pass the um, vision part of the permit test, so I couldn't get my driver's permit. And that's when I got connected to the low vision driving program. And then I started practicing low vision driving um, through a program in Frederick, Maryland. And um, I think I did one session and I was okay. And then the next session, I was driving through like residential areas. And I just remember feeling so tense and feeling like if, you know, what in the world, what if there was a little child out here playing, you know, on their driveway and their ball rolled out into the street and, you know, I didn't see them and I hit them or something. And I, just that thought kept going through my mind as I'm driving along and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't be a driver. And I remember just pulling over. My grandparents were in the car with me. And then the driving instructor was in the car with me. And I was just like, I'm not going to be able to drive a car. Like, this is too stressful for me. There's too much risk involved for other people. I would never want to hurt somebody. You know, I would. I, I don't want to hurt myself. Like, I'm not going to be a driver. And that was, I was 18 years old when that happened. That was a pivotal moment for me. Like, I just also remember feeling so deflated after that, so depressed, you know, because I'm like, how am I going to do life if I can't drive? Like, you know, they, I, I, I was working with DRS, um, Division Rehabilitation Services in Maryland, and they're like, you know, you may want to consider moving to a city and living in a city and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a great option. But like, I grew up in a small town, rural area, and I love that. I love living in the country. That's where we live now. So I didn't want to just like change like my dream of, you know, living in that rural area because I wasn't going to drive. So, you know, I just kind of went on with, with life. I graduated high school. I ended up staying um, in my hometown and went to a community college nearby for the first two years and earned my associate's degree. And then I ended up transferring out um, to a four-year college in Frostburg, Maryland. And, um, you know, I was very nervous about that because it was going to be my first time being away from home and being... Um, you know, on my own and independent. And so, you know, I was living off campus where I'd, you know, need to, I could walk to school and everything. And, and that was the first time like ever having that opportunity before. So I went through, you know, my first couple 
weeks up I went through my first couple weeks of um college and I was very nervous and and you know very homesick and I eventually you know settled in and and really grew to love that part of my life because of the fact that I was independent and I was like oh my goodness I'm doing it like I'm out here like I can't see I don't drive but I don't need to drive because I'm walking everywhere and I'm like super fit so um you know I really I really embraced that part of my life then and you know I, I majored in health and physical education and I ended up graduating with a um, bachelor's degree in health and phys physical education and everything um, but in that time I met my husband Zach who um, he was very very intrigued by my vision condition like I did not tell him about it for the first month of us dating. He knew I didn't drive a car, but he didn't know why I didn't drive. And, you know, then eventually I felt comfortable enough to tell him about my vision. Like I couldn't see well. And, you know, the diagnosis was disease of the retina. And at that point, you know, when he showed interest in that and wanted to talk about it and you know, wanted to learn more about it so he could research about it, I began to accept it. That was that was the beginning of my acceptance with my vision condition. And I met him when I was 21 years old. So I went 21 years without accepting my vision, without talking about it to anybody. Like I went to school with kids growing up and they knew I had, you know, something going on with my vision but they you know some people did it because I hit it so well like I really did not broadcast it out there I really did not you know use any accommodations I you know earlier years I used um large print stuff but by the time I was in high school I wasn't using anything like except for like a handheld magnifier that you wouldn't even be able to see in my hand as I was using it to read and stuff so you know, nobody really knew about it, my vision condition. And I just hit it from everybody, hit it from myself. And it, it really was a disservice to myself because I unfortunately didn't really get to know myself until I was in my early 20s. So I met my husband, Zach. We ended up getting married a year after we started dating. Um, we had our first son, um, uh, later, like October of that year, and we um, graduated college, and I decided that I was going to be a stay-at-home mom, not get go out and get my teaching job quite yet for health and phys ed, and I just wanted to be home with my son and everything, and we decided to have baby number two really quickly after that because you know, we were young and we just decided let's go ahead and have them close together. They can be best friends. But in that time that, you know, I was pregnant with our first son, I was, I was very concerned that he was going to be born blind as the doctors told me when I was 16. Um, I am, you know, blessed to report that both of my sons have 20-20 vision and, you know, no indication of any type of visual impairment. So we're very thankful for that. 
and um, the fact that I still have, you know, some remaining vision, although I have had progressive visual loss, you know, throughout the last 15 years or so. Um, that doctor who spoke those words to me at 16 was not correct, thankfully. Um, you know, so we ended up having our second son. And shortly after we um, had our second son, well, earlier in that year, early in uh, 2013, because we had Jackson in August 2013. So about January 2013, Zach, my husband, became connected with the Foundation Fighting Blindness. And at that time, you know, he was learning about what kind of research was available, what kind of clinical trials were available. And, you know, I still had that very broad diagnosis of disease of the retina. Um, so we didn't know much about it other than like the foundation fighting blindness was kind of like the place to go when you had something going on with your retina and you wanted some resources and get connected with things. I had not you know, known anything about the foundation fighting blindness prior to Zach finding it through his own research. So he got connected with um, Dr. Sam Jacobson at the University of Pennsylvania Shei Institute and ended up getting me an appointment with him um, late 2013 in Philadelphia, where I was seen for the first time by him. I went through, you know, a whole day's worth of testing and everything. And at the end of the day, I was exhausted. Um, and I just remember staying back with Dr. Jacobson and him kind of patting my hand and, and telling me, you know, this is 2013, he's telling me, within the next five to 10 years, you will have something available for your vision, you know, in terms of treatment. There will be trials available to you within the next five to 10 years. And for the first time ever, you know, at 24 years old, I guess I was, I got my first hopeful experience, my first taste of hope in terms of my vision condition and a possibly being some sort of treatment. I had never felt hopeful about my, my vision condition. I was ashamed of my vision condition, you know, all, uh, all of my life up until, you know, really until I met Zach and truly began to embrace it. Um, but I, I just remember being in tears because I had never, 24 years, I had never heard anything positive at at a, an eye doctor's appointment. So Dr. Jacobson was the giver of hope to me, um, you know, and it's it's just amazing to reflect on that and to think, you know, of all the years then we've spent, you know, with the Foundation Fighting Blindness as volunteers for the Baltimore chapter and the Vision Walk that we participate in every year, um, just seeing how we have been a part of the fundraising and just seeing the work that the Foundation Fighting Blindness has done, you know, since we've been connected with them. It's just been truly a blessing and amazing to be a part of it. And I just look back at pictures of our team, Jeepers Creepers, at the Vision Walk each year. 
in Baltimore and watch how my children have grown in those pictures. Like they were just babies when we started going there. Um, our, our youngest, he wasn't even walking yet when we went to our first vision walk. And we've watched our team grow through the past 10 years. It was just like our small little um, team at the beginning, just, I don't know, six of us i think and now you know we're up to like 25 of us we have lots of friends and family coming out and plus the support that we're getting from our community um we hosted a raising our sights event called bowling over blindness this past march and we had over 200 people come out and support the foundation fighting blindness through that and you know it was just such a wonderful day to see so many people caring about you know blindness awareness and advocacy and and learning you know every 15 minutes we would have a fact be read over the um, intercom system something to do with what the foundation fighting blindness has achieved or you know something to address certain kinds of stereotypes related to blindness and, you know, to serve as an educational portion of the Raising Our Sights event. So it it's just been wonderful and incredible to be a part of it. Um, you know, the Foundation Fighting Blindness, uh, you know, I credit Zach, my husband, for bringing me to acceptance and embracing my vision condition. Um, but the Foundation Fighting Blindness has been the true hope giver throughout all of this journey for me over the past 10 years. I mean, I went through genetic testing through the Foundation Fighting Blindness when I went to the um, National Eye Institute in Bethesda, and that is where they determined exactly what my vision condition is just a few years ago, um, Labor's Congenital Amaurosis 5. And because of that, we were able to continue doing our self-research plus, you know, be a part of the My Retina Tracker. But we continue to do our self-research. And back in um, January 2022, uh, my husband, Zach, found the Opus Genetics LCA5 um, clinical trial information. It hadn't been approved by the FDA at that point, but, you know, we were able to get in contact with um, the individuals coordinating that trial at University of Penn in Philadelphia, and I um, went up for clinical um, assessments, and then when it came time for the trial to be approved, I was contacted um, just this past June and signed consent and went through baseline one and two testing as a participant in this trial. And I am blessed and thankful to say that I am officially on day 18 post-op from the surgery for the clinical trial for LCA5. So you know, when Dr. Jacobson told me 10 years ago, sitting at Shei Institute, that within the next five to 10 years, I would be able to participate in some sort of clinical trial, there would be something available for me. Um, I mean, for it to come back full circle back to Philadelphia, not just back to Philadelphia, but, but 
Shei Institute is where I had my surgery 18 days ago. It is just nothing short of amazing and, you know, just the perfect icing on the cake of this vision story. Um, you know, I, I am still experiencing uh, some blurriness in, in the eye that what had the surgery because everything is still recovering and, and um, you know, from the actual procedure and everything. But it there is great promise in this treatment trial. And I am so, so excited about it. And that's where my podcast, Chasing the Light, came from. I wanted to create something to chronicle this journey going through the LCA5 clinical trial, as well as, you know, touch on different, I have different entries about um, just my experiences living with an inherited blinding retinal disease and, you know, the different impacts it has, like, you know, on, on career, motherhood, marriage, um, athletics, just everything you could think of. I've been kind of touching on throughout my podcast journal entries, but, you know, mainly discussing the clinical trial because this is such a huge, huge part of my life now. And I just wanted to have something to, to document, to be able to go back and, and listen to my feelings as I've been going through all this and my experiences. And, and hopefully, you know, I'll be able to share the updates on how this trial has, you know, positively impacted my vision here, you know, as we, as we progress post-op and everything. So it, it, it is all because of the foundation fighting blindness that I was able to get to this point. I mean, this is this is the ultimate goal of the foundation fighting blindness. You know, they they try and do this research to fund this research so that we can have treatments and and cures for blind for these blinding inherited retinal diseases, and to create these clinical trials and help them get past the finish line and. To, to actually have had that opportunity to be in a trial, like, it's just amazing to think about and reflect upon, you know, 10 years of being a part of this organization and, you know, then actually getting to be a part of a clinical trial. It, it's just the perfect way to share my vision story this year and be a part of this campaign for the foundation fighting blindness and i just truly truly thank ffb for all that they're doing and all of the volunteers and all of the staff members just everyone involved because it truly takes a village and i see that with the vision walk each year it's just so many little details have to fall into place and come together to make such a wonderful event happen so successfully each year and so i just say thank you to everyone within the ffb organization you know keep doing what you're doing because it matters and it may not be instant results but i'm telling you if we keep working hard something beautiful is going to happen and i'm just so encouraged and i i hope this serves as an inspiration and encouragement to everyone who's listening. And if you would like to donate to the Share Your Vision campaign, 
on behalf of a loved one or someone you know who suffers or is impacted by a blinding inherited retinal disease, you can go to donate.fightingblindness.org slash share your vision. Thank you all so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.